0: In this episode, we'll explore the empty tomb of Jesus. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 24 and follow along while I read beginning in verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus.' And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them to be an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were walking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priest and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes. And besides this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. As we read Luke's account of the resurrection of Jesus, there are several details that are fascinating to us. We may have questions about why the men didn't believe the women and what that might have said about gender roles in the first century. We may wonder why the disciples on the road to Emmaus weren't able to recognize Jesus at first, but were Able to recognize him later. There's a lot going on here. And unfortunately, time restrains us from looking at all of them. There are certain things that I want us to see, though, that may be instructive to us in our day as we're confronted with the reality that on that Sunday, the tomb was found empty. The people in this story who had to come to grips with the fact that Jesus' tomb was empty had a variety of responses. First, in verse 4, we're told that the women who showed up there and saw the tomb empty were confused or perplexed by all that they saw. That confusion turned to fear when approached by two angels. And then as the women leave the tomb and go back and tell the eleven and the rest what they had seen, Peter runs to the tomb and he marvels at what he sees. Then as we read further, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus are disappointed that the person they assumed was the Messiah had been executed and buried, and now his body was missing. There are a variety of emotions going on there, and we can certainly imagine why each of these people felt all that they felt. But I think 2,000 years later, the responses to the empty tomb are very similar. For some, the idea of Jesus' tomb being found empty is very confusing. Did he really rise from the dead? Was his body stolen? Is this a myth? Can we trust the eyewitness accounts of what went on? And if his tomb truly was found empty, what does that mean for me? How does that affect my life? What am I obligated to do in response? It can be very confusing for some people. Others may be frightened if they think about a Messiah uh, capable of being raised to the dead by God and giving responsibilities to his disciples to live in a particular kind of way. And there may be repercussions for not doing so. If I don't want to live that kind of life, I may be afraid. Or even if I'm attempting to live that life, I may be afraid that I'm not accomplishing it the way it needs to be done. And there is fear that's brought about by an empty tomb. Others reflect on the empty tomb and they see it as something marvelous. The fact that Jesus was raised from the dead means that I have that opportunity. And as long as I follow Jesus as my king, he has promised to raise me to new life, an eternal life, to be experienced with God forever. But I think there are still people today for whom the empty tomb is a disappointing experience. Jesus became Messiah because of all that he suffered and, and was obedient through it. He was elevated to the right hand of God and given a name above every name, and all things were put in subjection under his feet. Yet we look around, and things don't always work out the way we want to. And we're disappointed that Jesus doesn't intervene and make it the way we want it. These disciples in the first century struggled with that. The Messiah had not met their expectations, Did that mean he really wasn't the Messiah? For people today, not getting our way often makes us question whether or not Jesus is real. And if he is, does he really care about me? We can be disappointed when we don't get what we want. But regardless of the emotions that come to mind as we reflect on the empty tomb, the reality is that it was found empty. And all the eyewitnesses of the time say it's because he was raised from the dead. So the empty tomb of necessity causes us to reflect on and contemplate a risen Lord. Let's go back to Luke chapter 24. Let's pick up our reading in verse 28 and see what happens when these disciples come face to face with the resurrected Lord. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and they saw a spirit, and he said to them, "Why are you troubled, and oh, why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands, my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marvelling, he said to them, "Have you anything to eat?" They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it before them. In this section of the story, we see several people come in contact with the resurrected Lord. And I think maybe the first thing that we should notice here is that Jesus was seen, was recognized, or understood when these disciples sat down at the table and broke bread with him all these years later. We are still invited to participate in a ritual that Jesus himself instituted the night before he was crucified. He gathered his disciples together and they broke bread. He told them that he would not eat it again with them until he had been glorified. When we participate in this ritual now, we often call it communion because we've been promised that the Lord is there with us in our midst and we are sharing this with him. I think it's important for us to be like these disciples from Emmaus, that we make sure we see, we recognize, we understand Jesus in the breaking of the bread. But also these disciples said something else about this resurrected Lord. When he spoke, their hearts burned because of his words. All these years later, the truth of his words is still there. It's still relevant. The resurrected Lord should have our hearts burning because of his words. There are a few other things we notice about Jesus here as well. One is that the resurrected Lord brings peace when allowed to be the center of our lives. When Jesus came in and was in the midst of his disciples, the first thing he says is peace to you. They were startled, but he calms them down. Jesus brings peace when he's allowed to be at the center of our lives. When we make anything else the center, whether it's our family, our jobs, our pursuit of achievement, whatever it is. If it's not Jesus, we may experience turmoil in our life. But the resurrected Lord, when he's at the center, brings peace. The resurrected Lord also causes scripture to make sense. Remember how these disciples on the road to Emmaus had everything explained to them in scripture, starting with Moses, going through the prophets and the Psalms, everything that had been said about a Messiah in scripture, maybe that they had misunderstood or that they had missed entirely now made sense to them because Jesus explained it in light of himself and his resurrection the resurrected Lord makes scripture make sense. I know a lot of people who have shied away from Christianity because they think it's too complex. Christians often can't even agree with each other. How can I know what's right? Well, when Jesus is at the center of your understanding of scripture, when you know the love that he has shown you and you're committed to sharing it with others, so much of scripture comes into clear focus Because we see it in the light of the love of Christ, our resurrected Lord. But one other thing that we see here is that the resurrected Lord blesses his disciples. When he sat down at the table with the disciples from Emmaus, when he comes into the midst of the disciples in Jerusalem, and we'll read in just a few minutes the last few verses as he gets ready to ascend, he blesses his disciples. He brings blessings on those who follow him. This is still just as true today as it was then. When we accept that Jesus is our resurrected Lord, he brings us blessings. When we're face to face with this Lord, we are brought to a crisis of belief. How do we respond to this Jesus if he really is who he claims to be? If the tomb is found empty because God raised him and exalted him to a place where he has authority over everything how should we respond? I think sometimes people hear this good news story and think that it's just too good to be true. There is too much here that just stacks neatly as if somebody was trying to convince you of something, but it's not that practical to me. It's just too good to be true. Some of these are people who don't believe Jesus to be the Messiah at all. Maybe they think he was a great man, a good teacher, but they just don't believe he was sent by God to start a world religion and that has become oh, what we see today. So they just reject Jesus as Messiah. The story is just too good to be true. Then there are others who have no problem believing that he was sent from God. They just think their life is too messed up for God to fix it, that there's no way that Jesus can save them. That story is just too good to be true. We get hints of both of these in the story as we've read it so far. But, but let's look at the closing verses of this chapter and see the response that these first disciples had. We pick up the reading in verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you. That Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. So in the same way that these disciples came face-to-face with the resurrected Lord and had to make a choice about how they would respond, we too can either decide that this story is too good to be true, or we can praise God for Jesus. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calerachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter.